There's a word from the Lord in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 23. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 32, Luke chapter 23, verse 32. Listen to what God's word says. There were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. I want to preach about handling hang-ups. Handling hang-ups. How do you handle hang-ups? All of us have them. I said all of us have them. Hang-up. You can sit there and look all holy if you want to. We all got them. Some of them are emotional. Some are psychological, some are mental, some are physical, some are relational, some are financial, but we all, we all have hang-ups. Some are dealing with addiction, some codependent, some dealing with loneliness, some dealing with depression. Some of us don't know what we're dealing with. We all have them. It's, it's a trick of the enemy to make you think you're the only one with hang-ups. We don't all have the same ones, but we all have hang-ups. As the songwriter said, that Jesus was hung up for our hang-ups. And because some of us don't know what to do with them, right? Some of us turn to, to drugs. And if you've been on drugs a while, you know the law of diminishing return. That means you got to get more of the same thing to get to the same place. But what used to get you high only took so much. Now you got to get more of the same thing to get to the same high, only to discover it ain't high at all. That's the lowest you've ever been, because we don't really know how to handle hang-ups. Some of us, it's not drugs, we turn to alcohol, dealing with depression and loneliness and everything else. And so I know how I'm going to deal with my depression. I'll just drink it away only to find out that alcohol is a depressant that tries to make you think it's a stimulant. And so you're drinking alcohol to get rid of depression, and it makes you more depressed. For some, it's not drugs and alcohol. We try to respond through promiscuity. We let anybody do anything to us anyhow just so I don't have to deal with the loneliness and the depression and the hang-ups that I'm having. But the good news is, Jesus was hung up for our hang-ups. In Luke 23, we've been on this procession to the resurrection. We're at the cross now. This is when Jesus is dying on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and mine. Those who are just now trying to understand Christianity, you're trying to figure out what is all this Calvary business about? What is all this crucifixion about? What is all this cross about? It's about the fact that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. 
We all deserve to die because we all sin. But Jesus came from heaven to earth to pay the penalty for our sin. What is that penalty? It's death. And Jesus died on the cross to pay that penalty. When we put our faith in his work, then we become his children. Um, the issue for some of us is that we've allowed lies and myths to keep us from Christ and Christianity. Listening to people tell you that Christianity is a white man's religion. That, that it, the only time black people, well, the first time black people were introduced to the Jewel Christian tradition was in the 17th century, in the time of slavery in America. Yo, that's a lie. I'm going to show you how close black folk have been to Christianity. I, I read to you, starting in verse 32 of Luke 23, in verse 26, when Jesus was carrying his cross up the hill, and remember, he had been beaten all night, Thursday night, whipped and beaten again on Friday, and he's all, he is, Jesus is all God, but he's all man at the same time. And after what he went through on Thursday night and Friday morning, now he's carrying his cross up the hill Saturday on Friday afternoon, and the weight of the cross become, began to bear down on his humanity. And in verse 26, it says that there was a man named Simon from Serene that they pushed in to carry the cross of Jesus. Simon of Serene? Y'all do know Serene is black Africa. Here is a black African man from black Africa carrying the cross of Jesus up Calvary's hill. You can't get any closer to Christianity than Calvary. And that wasn't in the 17th century in America. That was in the first century in Israel because it doesn't matter what color your skin is. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I wish I had somebody helping me with this. Jesus is paying the penalty for our sin. There's a man by the name of Brian Stevenson, and I quote Brian Stevenson all the time. I have a lot of respect for him. I met him last week in New York at a social justice conference, Brian Stevenson. And well, let me, before I tell you what I want to tell you, let me give you another quote from Brian Stevenson. He says, there is no disconnect around technology and design that will allow us to be fully human until we pay attention to suffering, to poverty, to exclusion, to unfairness, and to injustice. Here's what Brian Stevens is, is all about. In, in 1989, he started something called the Equal Justice Initiative. And what he, because he's an attorney, he, he graduated from Harvard, and now he's a professor at New York uh, School of Law, and he's a lawyer. But what he has done since 1989, he goes around and helps poor people who are in prison so that they can have the proper representation. Yo, there's so much injustice in our justice system in America. That's why prisons and jails are full of people who are black and brown, people with mental health issues, and people who are in poverty. It's not because all of them uh, were guilty, it's because they couldn't afford proper representation so that they could be re represented properly in the courtroom. But now they got one, graduate of Harvard, teacher of law at, at New York School of Law, and, and he has had a reversal of 135 people
who were on death row who should not have been there. 135 people would have died on death row, but Brian Stevenson stepped in and represented them. He was the advocate and got a reversal for all 135 and sometimes had to go to the Supreme Court to make it happen. And not just on death row, hundreds of cases where poor people were misrepresented and never should have been in there, finding DNA to prove that they weren't even at the place where the crime took place, and got all of that reversed. That's what Jesus did for you and I on Calvary. We would have been the ones dying. We were on death row, but Jesus came and brought a reversal. And if that don't make you shout, Jesus is different from Brian Stevenson because Brian Stevenson were helping the ones who were innocent that shouldn't have been there in the first place. Jesus came to help the guilty. Y'all ain't got to look at me like that. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm only standing up right here right now because we have an advocate to the Father that came and reversed my case for me. But Jesus didn't just come to die to give us life. Jesus came to show us how to live. For well, some of us, we have eternal life. That's not the issue for you. It's not that you don't have eternal life. You say you're a Christian, you just don't know how to live. So Jesus models for us. He demonstrates for us, here is how you live in this world. And now he's showing us how to live even when you have hang-ups. Hang-ups? Yeah, y'all, they... They nailed Jesus to the cross, nails in his hand, spikes in his feet. They took that rope and they raised that cross and they left Jesus hanging. How did Jesus get here in the first place? Well, you know, his family, I got to admit, left him hanging too. Y'all do know only Jesus' mother in his family, only Jesus' mother initially believed that Jesus was the Christ. Yeah, brothers and sisters, they, they didn't believe that. Now, James, later on, one of his brothers, James, who wrote the book of James, later on, he joined the movement, but at first, none of them believed it. And y'all, when you're the Christ saving the world, you ought to at least have the support of your family. But his family left him hanging. His friends left Jesus hanging. They denied him. They betrayed him. All the disciples forsook him when he got arrested because he, his friends left him hanging. His religious community left him hanging. When you hear Sadducees and chief priests and scribes, that's the religious community that should have been pouring into Jesus to encourage him and exhort him and inspire him. But no, they got caught up in manipulation and jealousy and envy and lies because his religious community left him hanging. They let him down. Now notice I said religious community, not righteous community. Because you can be religious and not be righteous. Being religious means you ascribe to the pursuit of a special interest or habit. When you're religious, that means you do something with regularity. You do it all the time. You're religious. So you come to church all the time. That makes you religious. You sing gospel songs all the time. That makes you religious. So when you have this regularity about it, that's religious. But that ain't got nothing to do with being righteous. Righteousness is when you are in right relationship with God. And the only way to get in right relationship with God is to accept Jesus by faith into your life. It's the religious community 
that left Jesus hanging and his government left him hanging. Because the Hebrew people were under the governmental authority of the Romans. Well, Pilate, Pontius Pilate was Jesus' judge, who part of the government that declared Jesus innocent, then treated him as though he was guilty. The military police, they beat him down. That come on, police brutality. And then he died when he was in their custody, and he hadn't done anything wrong because his government let him down. Here's why I wanted to walk through those, because some of us in here know what it's like to have your family leave you hanging. And we know what it's like to have your friends leave you hanging. And we know what it's like to have a religious community leave us hanging. And we definitely know what it's like to have a government leaving us hanging. And some of us just don't know what to do. How do you handle it when you have these hangups? Jesus shows us. He didn't just come to give us life. He came to show us how to live. Well, what does that look like? Here's, when, when you have hangups, when you've been left hanging, here's what you do. You have to take your hangups and place them in the hand of God. All of your hurts, all your harassments, all of your hardships, all the stuff you're dealing with and your life, take that and put it in God's hand. Okay, y'all not saying amen because I didn't read that far. Luke chapter 23 Verse 46, when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Because when Jesus was left hanging, he said, I'm taking my hangups and my life and I'm putting it in the hand of an almighty God. Y'all, there's nothing that you're facing that God can't handle. There's nothing that you're dealing with that God cannot handle. There's nothing that you're up against that God cannot handle. You got to take your life and put it in the hand of God. Into your hand, I commit my spirit. As a matter of fact, this is actually a prayer in the book of Psalms. Into your hands, I commit. Jesus didn't make this up when he was dying on the cross. This is a prayer from the Old Testament. This is a prayer that Hebrew mothers and fathers used to teach their sons and daughters the way our parents taught us and I taught my children how to pray. When I taught my children how to pray, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That's the prayer that culturally, generation to generation, we pass on to our children. Well, for the Hebrew people, it was, into thy hand I commit my spirit. Because they're teaching their children at a young age how to put it in the hand of God. We spend so much time teaching our children sports, basketball, and baseball, and football, and cheerleading, and dancing, and track and field. And y'all, that's cool. I enjoy sports too. But you better teach them how to pray. You better teach them how to put their life in the hand of Because, y'all, when Jesus was dying on the cross... He didn't turn to track and field. He turned to that prayer his mama taught him when he was little because now he understands that I can put my life in the hand of God. When your children become adults or even as youngsters and they run into hard time, basketball ain't going to get them out of it and football ain't going to get them through it. But I know I got a witness in here that know when you put it in the hand of God, God will make a way somehow into your hand. No, no, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, Father, into your hand I put my spirit. 
in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, it didn't say Father. It just said, into your hand, I commit my spirit. Jesus added Father because Jesus is helping you, I, you and I to understand that even when you don't know what God is up to as God, you can still trust him as Father. I don't know why God allows this to happen. I don't know why God allows this to go down in my life, but I do know I can still trust him as my father. Here's the issue for some of us, that we're mad at God because of what some brother or sister has done to us. So now you're ready to turn your back on God because some brother maltreated you, some sister mistreated you. Now you, you're ready to walk away from your heavenly father because how dare God allow them to do this to me? Wait a minute. You're mad at God because he won't rob somebody of their free will so you won't get your feelings hurt. I wish I had somebody helping me with this. you mad at God because he didn't take somebody's free will away from them so that you won't go through any pain. No, God is not going to take people's free will. But what he will do is after they act on that will, he'll work all things together for your good. But you still got to keep trusting him as father. Y'all, don't give up. Don't give in. Don't throw in the towel. Don't hold up the white flag of surrender. Don't turn to drugs and alcohol. Hang in there with your father, even in hard times. All through the Gospels, you hear Jesus mentioning God as Father, all through the Gospels. He, he says, I, I came to do the will of my Father. Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of my Father. Jesus, even when he taught us how to pray, when you pray, pray our Father. All through the Gospel, he keeps claiming God as Father. He said, no one comes unto the Father but by me. In John 17, he said, Father, glorify yourself that the Son, glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Y'all, and a lot of that was in good times. You can't claim God as Father in the good times. And then when you get nailed, now you want to turn your back on him. That's not the time to run from God. That's the time to run to God. Because I know I got a witness in here that know God will make everything all right. This is not the time to quit. Who was that, that, that poem? When, when things go bad as they sometimes will. When the road you trudge seems all uphill. When the funds are low, but the debts are high, you want to smile, but you got to cry. When the cares are pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Success is failure turned inside out. It's the silver tint of the clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. You may be near, though it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things are at their worst that you must not quit. Father, into your hand, I commit my spirit. How do you handle hang-ups? Jesus shows us. You have to hold on to your holiness even when you catch in hell. Let me give it to you again. I said, hold on to your holiness. Even when you're catching hell. That, that, that the centurion soldier, when he saw all that stuff Jesus was going through, he said, surely this must be son of God. A Roman soldier said that when he saw all the hell Jesus was going through and how he was handling the hell. 
and Jesus was holding on to his holiness. Jesus was still living out his purpose. He didn't let the pain push him from purpose, but the pain ushered him into his purpose. He came here to die for our sin. And even those that didn't know God could recognize, surely this must be the Son of God. Because for, for some of us, we try to prove we children of God without calamity. We, matter of fact, we think something is wrong with my Christianity if I'm in a crisis. Not, not, not with Jesus. Surely this must be the Son of God. Wait a minute. This, this Roman soldier, why are you just now saying that? You didn't say that in the courtroom with Pilate when you were making sure Jesus didn't run off. You didn't say that when you were helping to whip him and beat him with those leather straps with the glass and the metal and the stone at the end of it, pulling flesh from him. You didn't say, surely this must be the Son of God. You didn't say that when y'all gambled for his garments and put a fake crown of thorns on Jesus' head. You didn't say it when Jesus had to carry his own cross up the hill till that brother came and helped him out. You didn't say it when you helped nail Jesus' hands to the cross and raise that cross up. Why are you saying it now? It's because of Jesus' response to the hell he had been through and what other folk had did to him. And look at how Jesus responded to it. He said, shoot, this got to be the son of God. Can't nobody else handle issues like this. Stop thinking something's wrong with your Christianity when you face chaos. Stop trying to prove you're a child of God without trouble. Sitting up here, you can't even live out your purpose because you're trying to live your purpose without pain. Sitting up here, you, 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 you want advancement, but you're trying to have advancement without adversity. Trying to have success without a struggle. No, your struggle is what gives you the strength so you can make it to your success. Look, I tried to learn, I tried to learn sign language because we have a deaf and hard of hearing ministry. And I praise God for that. So now those who are deaf and hard of hearing, they get a chance to receive the gospel. And so I said, okay, I'm gonna go. I sat in the classes. I'm trying to, I, I just couldn't do it. Thank God we have gifted people that know how to sign. I'm, I was terrible at it, terrible. Everybody had their own gift. That ain't mine. I did learn one word, though, in sign, and that's how to sign Jesus. When, when they sign Jesus, they don't spell out J-E-S-U-S. -S. You know what they do when they sign Jesus? They do this because... That helps them to know about the nails in his hand, the pain that he went through, the suffering that happened. See, some of us trying to be God's son without the suffering. Some of us trying to be God's daughter without the difficulty. No, it's how you handle that difficulty. And if you can hold on to your holiness while you're catching it, okay, I know what it is. You're not saying amen because you think hell is a location you go when you die. No, hell is also a condition you experience while you're still alive. Because some of y'all catching hell right now. But hold on to who you are. Surely, this must be the Son of God. And I know Jesus held on to his holiness because Jesus did at least two things. When he was down on the cross, he would, he would forgive and give with nails in his hand, spikes in his feet. Been left hanging by his family, friends, government. And, and you know what, Jesus? He was still able to forgive. 
I already read that to you. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. Denial, betrayal, lying, manipulation. And he says, forgive. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Don't lose your holiness when you're catching hell. You still need to forgive. I, I know they didn't do you right. I know they maltreated you. I know they messed over you. But the Lord told me to tell you, he's showing you how to live. Forgive. Okay, four amens. Uh, and, I, and I know I only got four amens because when I said all those people that left you hanging, as I was calling that list off, you had a list of names that came to your head. And now here I'm telling you to forgive them. And you're saying, I ain't, I'm, I'm pastor, I love you and I love God, Jesus and church. But you don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they dogged me like that. And I'm not going to forgive them. Because your issue is, you realize that when you forgive them, you bless them. After they dogged you, messed over you, you holding the grudge. But if you, when you forgive them, it blesses them. But it doesn't just bless them. When you forgive other folk, it blesses you. Because some of us, man, some of us are in, we're, we're in bondage. We haven't been able to move past when that person left us hanging. That was five years ago they did that. You can't move on. Because, matter of fact, they dogged you in the relationship, then broke up with you. Wait a minute, you gonna mistreat me, then break up with me too? That was five years ago, and you won't let it go. And you just, you came, you could have been in a better relationship and moved on with your life. But you found yourself in bondage because you won't forgive them. And what's so messed up about it? Man, they done already met somebody else. They've been married four years. They got two kids. And your name don't ever come up. Y'all ain't helping me preach this. Yes, it blesses them, but it frees you. You got to learn how to forgive. It's getting in the way of what God is seeking to do in your life. Now, I'm going to use this illustration. I don't want to, but I feel led of the Holy Spirit because I'm sick of watching Will Smith slap Chris Rock. I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of looking at it. I'm tired of hearing about it. And I know y'all are too. I don't want to see it on social media. I don't want to see it on mainstream media. I'm, I'm tired. He slapped him at the Oscars. We, I, okay, I, I know. And, um, and he was just, he was trying, actually, Will's trying to get vengeance. You're talking about my wife like this in front of my face, in front of the world. You can't take my wife's name out of you. Well, I can't quote him, but I ain't putting up with that. And went up and slapped him to get vengeance. Not long after that, he wins an Oscar, his first one. You ain't said a word about his victory. Because we keep talking about his vengeance. That's what I'm trying to tell you. God has a victory lined up for you, but you got to get past the vengeance. God said, vengeance is mine. Don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of them. I'd have held y'all too long on forgive. Jesus didn't just forgive when he was dying on that cross. He was able to give. He's catching hell. He didn't just forgive. He was able to give. What did he give? He gave paradise. He told him, today, you're you, you going to be with me, the thief dying on the cross. Right? He got a, here, here's a lifetime criminal on either side of Jesus. 
And one of them said, we deserve to be up here. But this is an innocent man. Stop messing with, with this. Stop messing with Jesus. Then he said to Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, will you remember me? Watch how Jesus gives. Jesus says, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Let, let me do it the way the old black preacher used to do it. That Jesus put a comma in his dying. Jesus put a pause on dying because he got to make good. He said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. So he snatches that man off the cross, takes that thief up to glory to put him in heaven to make good on his promise. But when he got up to the gates of heaven, the gates of heaven had been closed because of sin. So Jesus said, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. The gatekeeper said, who is this king of glory? Jesus said, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up ye everlasting doors. And the gatekeeper, he opened the, the gates of heaven, and Jesus took that thief and threw him into the kingdom because he promised him, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Jesus was on his way back to finish dying on the cross but he saw the gatekeeper closing the gates of heaven. And Jesus said, leave those gates open. And the gatekeeper said, Jesus, if we leave these gates open, anybody can get in here. Jesus said, that's why I'm dying on the cross right now. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I got to keep rolling. I got one more for you. How do you handle your, how do you handle your hangups? You got to remember that... It ain't over till God says it's over. Y'all missing this thing. Jesus is dying on the cross. All that stuff they did to him and left him hanging. All the pain he went through and the suffering that he went through. And then Luke says that Jesus breathed his last. And if you're not careful, you'll think it's over. Because Dr. Luke, a medical doctor, said, that, that Jesus breathed his last. Y'all, that didn't mean it was over. Because God always has the last word. It ain't over till God says it's over. When, when he said he breathed his last, that's a reference to he breathed his last breath. That's not saying it's over. What, what, that's Luke's way of saying Jesus died. A few weeks ago, we had our memorial service, and I was trying to explain to us how hard death is for us to talk about. When we have friends and loved ones die, we don't even say they died, because it's hard for us to speak death. So we, we switch up and use different things. They transitioned. They're resting in peace. They've gone home to be with God. They're now in glory. Even Jesus said about Lazarus that Lazarus is asleep. His disciples said, well, if he's asleep, he's doing good. No, Jesus, he's dead, man. He died. This is Luke doing the same thing. Luke knew how hard a hit that would be for us. All the hell Jesus went through and then say, yeah, he died. No, he said, no, he breathed his last. But what I'm trying to tell you, Jesus' last breath was not his last breath. Because they took him off the cross they put him in a cave, rolled a stone in front of it. 
But three days later, we say Jesus got up. The Bible says God raised Jesus from the dead because his last breath was not his last breath. Oh, y'all not getting this. He then ascended to the right hand of the Father where he makes intercessions for you and I because his last breath was not his last breath. Matter of fact, he's coming back again to rapture his church to go home because his last breath is not his last breath. It ain't over till God says it's over. And I know it ain't over because he woke me up this morning. He started me on my way. It ain't over till God says it's over. That, that's my word to you. God has the last word. Get those suicidal thoughts out of your mind. Stop trying to quit. Stop sitting on the sidelines. Stop trying to walk away from God. God ain't finished with this yet. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll shut it down with this. Um, oh, Katanji, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson. Oh, didn't we shout last week at her confirmation in front of the Senate? We shouted for Judge Jackson, first black sister to be a Supreme Court justice. And, and, and one of the reasons we were shouting is because all of those white male senators, they did everything they could to try to keep her from being a Supreme Court justice. Matter of fact, when President Joe Biden nominated her, they said, this ain't right. You only nominated one person, a black female. That's affirmative action, and that ain't right. You can't just put her on there through affirmative action. Now, they ain't say nothing with affirmative action when it was white males becoming a part of Supreme Court. Okay, y'all ain't saying amen to this. In the... In the the whole history of the Supreme Court in the United States, it's been 108 white men, four white women, two black men, one Latina, zero Latinos, and zero black sisters. And they didn't say anything when affirmative action meant all white men were going, because they affirmed with their action, you got to be a white male to get on this bench. But when a black sister gets nominated, now y'all trying to shut that, now y'all got an issue. They were trying to do everything they could to keep her off the bench. I mean, even at the confirmation, y'all hear all them stupid questions? Those dumb questions that had nothing to do with law or being a judge? How you gonna ask all those dumb questions to one of the smartest people on the planet of the earth? They did everything to shut her down and to keep her from being confirmed. Matter, matter of fact, uh, they, they, they thought they would get her with her qualifications. Then when they checked her qualifications, come to find out she's more qualified, Judge Jackson, more qualified than everybody on the Supreme Court right now and everybody in the history of the Supreme Court. So we know it ain't got nothing to do with qualifications. They trying to stop her. But, but they couldn't stop her. She became the first black Supreme Court justice who's a sister. And a sister is the one that announced the confirmation. Vice President Kamala Harris. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. And, and when the announcement was made, uh, 45 white male senators got up and walked out 
when she got confirmed. And you know, she wasn't sweating none of it. They were still in there shouting when they walked out because black women ain't tripping over white men in government in the U.S. walking out on them because they used to that. They walked out on them when they snatched their husbands and their sons from their arms and sold them into slavery. Some, they used to white men in government in the U.S. walking out on black women when they took their husbands and their sons and lynched them on trees and did nothing about it. They're used to white males in government walking out on them. That when those black women tried to run away in terms of slavery, they sent white police officers to bring those black sisters back. They're used to white men in government walking out on them. Remember in, in Haiti when there was that, that uprising in Haiti, that unrest took place, and those black women from Haiti were trying to get their children over to America, and those same white senators wouldn't let them come over because they said it's COVID-19. But when in Eastern Europe, with Ukraine, with their unrest, they let those white women come over with their white children. Black sisters are used to white men in government in the U.S. walking out on them. But here's what I want to tell you. When they walked out, that's when God raised her up. Priest Jeffrey Johnson, I am preaching. Stop crying when folk walk out of your life. Sometimes God got to have folk walk out in order to lift you up because it ain't over till God says it's over. Do I have a witness in here? I got to go on and shut it down. I'm through with my message, but don't give in. Don't give up. Don't give out. Stay right there. Keep on believing. Keep on trusting because God ain't through with you yet. And God always has the last say. Because that last breath was not the last breath. God is working things out for your good. And when you think that God stopped loving you, look to Calvary. Because they stretched him high, stretched him wide. He bowed his head. For you he died. That's love. But that's not how the story ends. Three days later, he rose again. Somebody shout, that's love. Hey, hey, y'all excuse me, but it ain't over till God says it's over. Can I get a witness in here? You don't have to worry. Don't you be afraid. Joy comes in the morning. Trouble don't last always. There's a friend named Jesus. He'll wipe your tears away. And if your heart is broken, lift your hands and say, I know I can make it. Somebody shout yes. Shout yes. I wish, I wish we wasn't in a pandemic 
Because I tell you to touch three or two, two or three people and tell them it ain't over till God says. Don't, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But you can't shout it ain't over till God says it's over. Somebody give him glory in here. Hey! Y'all excuse me. I'm just thinking about all the hell I've been through. But I held on to what God gave me and God made a way out of no way. Is there a witness in the house? Won't he do it? I said, won't he do it? Won't he do it?